Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, before I start, uh, I, I have a disclaimer, okay? If I'm, some of you have seen me before, have heard uh, me speak before, uh, uh, you know, then sometimes I, I, I use some humor. If I'm an extra, ex, a little extra goofy today, I, I need to make this disclaimer. I've been having uh, some health issues. I've been having um, a gallbladder problems. I had a couple of stones giving me a hard time recently. And um, few, 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 a couple of weeks ago, I was taken to the emergency room and, and the whole thing. And, and that's when the doctor told me, dude, you're in, in big pain. You need, to, you need to take this thing out. The gallbladder, need to, you need to remove it. And I said, okay. So we said at time, he told me in the meantime, it can happen again. The, the pain can come back. Last night at 11 o'clock, it came back. And uh, it was very painful. I couldn't sleep very well. Um, I was praying, God, have mercy on me. And um, this morning, I forgot my prescription, which is mostly pedi- uh, pain medicine. But um, my friend Aaron Pacheco, he's my, my drug connection here in Hilo. <laughs> he hooked me up. So if I look a little goofy, uh, if you see me kind of going like this for a minute, that's what it is. Okay, it's not that there's something wrong here, but... Uh, I'm in a happy place right now. I just tell you that. <laughs> this morning, I was on my knees. Right now, I'm like, God, this is awesome. Look at that. That dove is cool, man. So I'm excited to be here. Uh, first of all, uh, I want to just thank uh, in front of all of us. It, it, you know, this is kind of like what speakers do, but I think is 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 proper. To honor uh, our, our um, district, our Hawaii district, especially Pastor Alex, Berna, uh, and all the the people that work with you, Tiffany, everybody on 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 the district, is amazing what you guys are doing. We're so blessed uh, as pastors. Uh, we can see uh, God's hand upon you. So I want to thank you personally. Thank you so much for all you guys do. Well, and I want to also thank all of you that made some time to come here. I mean, those of you that you work with children. Uh, how many of you work with zero to like 12 years old uh, children? God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. Those of you that work with teenagers. Let me see your hand. I mean, extra blessing to you guys. Those of you that work with college age students. Yeah, not as many, but hey, God bless you too. Some of you, you raise your hand all the time because you're using church of all of them. Praise the Lord. You know, you guys are my heroes, honestly. Being there uh, not long ago and in, 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 uh, serving the Lord in, in, in that important part of ministry has been, been a huge blessing. So I'm, I'm really, really thankful that you guys made the time to come here. Uh, put your finances on this. I believe God is going to give you uh, a, a huge blessing for, for, for just setting this time together. I really believe. Prepare your hearts. God is going to do great things in your heart today uh, in, in over the weekend. So, uh, Lynn asked me to talk about uh, what do we think about this generation? What is the best way to think about our generation? And start and launch the, 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 the conference this way. So, I want us to go to God's Word. If you have your Bibles with you, Psalm 127. We're going to go to Psalm 127. We're going to spend some time in three verses here. Psalm 127, verses 3, 4, and 5. 
And uh, I think the answer for that question, how should we think about this generation, this emerging generation, is found in those three verses. And what we will do is going to study uh, these, these verses. What do you think about this, this generation? I think it's a very important question. It's very important. And, uh, and, and it's important that we know how to wrestle with it because there's so much input into our lives from so many places. And sometimes we, we do not find uh, a very clear um, message from God's Word when it comes to that question. How do we look at, the, at this emerging generation? And we're going to be looking at this. And, and, and the reality is no matter how hard, and I believe all of you work really hard in building great ministry, great churches. Those of you that are senior pastors here, you, we, you, we're working and as hard as we can to build a great church, a vibrant church in our lifetime. But if we don't think properly about the emerging generation, whatever we do is going to be in vain. Because one of the quotes that I heard that really shook me big time was when one speaker said this, Christianity is only one generation away from extinction. And it is. We're only one generation away from extinction. And so many times we overlook and we don't have a healthy biblical perspective about uh, our, the new generation that we are responsible for. So we're going to look at, at this scripture. We're going to study here because we have this responsibility to raise the next generation of believers that are going to come after us. So it's very, very important. Now, the question is, how do we do that? How do we raise this generation? Well, Psalm 127 is the only psalm that we know that it was written by Solomon. The wisest man, according to the scripture, that ever lived. King Solomon wrote this this, ver, this, this passage, and, and it's interesting, as, as smart as he was, as clever as he is, he illustrates spiritual principles by observing, you know, nature, uh, common things of, of, of his life, uh, of his daily life. And, and one day, he's probably walking in his palace. He looks at the, 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 the security that he has, the archers, especially warriors, looking at it. And he finds out, mm, this is how, how we should be raising the emerging generation. This is what we're going to be reading today. We're going to start at verse 3. Psalm 127, verse 3. My translation that I have here starts saying this. Children are a gift from the Lord. You say amen to that? Amen. They are. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. The verse 4 says, Children born to a young man are like what? Sharp arrows. Do you have that in your translation? Sharp arrows. They're like sharp arrows in a warrior's hands. How happy is the man or the woman whose quiver is full of them? This is how Solomon viewed the emerging generation. And Solomon compared here children, the emerging generation, with sharp arrows. It's kind of, kind of odd. But we're going to be studying what that means. Arrows in the, in the hands of a, of a warrior. See, in our, in our modern times, we have weapons, you know, then arrows are like nothing, right? We have bombs and, and things, and man, they can do a lot of damage. But in this time, I mean, Solomon, 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 Solomon meant a lot. 
And, and we need to look at this in the historical context. We need to go back in time and understand the whole deal of warriors and archers and arrows to understand what is, what is Solomon trying to say to all of us. Uh, we need to learn about the ancient process that then warriors, especially archers, had to go through in order to produce sharp arrows for their battles. So let me talk to all of you here. Most of you are here, uh, of course, leaders involved in ministry with, with emerging generation, children, youth, young adults. Some of you are parents. See, when children are babies, aren't they the cutest thing? They are. They do. Well, you have to change diapers, but, but you know, you, just, you go for it, right? And that's the only thing. But the good news is that they grow up and they leave the diapers behind. And then they have these odd, other new sets of things that will drive you crazy, right? My kids are, uh, my two boys are nine and eight. They're coming later today. And I love these guys. I mean, we're having such a fun season uh, with, with, with my, my, my boys. Uh, I coach one of them in soccer. I play Wii all the time uh, with them. And I love it. I love it. Because I got a chance to play things that I didn't play before when I was growing up. It's pretty cool. I love it. And they drive, I know, I understand, yeah, kids, kids can drive you crazy at times, you know, all their questions. And then the cool thing is then, then also they grow up out of that. They, they grow up and they become teenagers. And that's what I'm threading right now. It is coming. It's going to happen in a few years. Because right now, you see, they look up to me and they say, Daddy, you're so cool. You know it all. You're awesome. I know in a few years that's going to change. <laughs> so as our sons and daughters move from childhood to into uh, 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 their teenage years, uh, it seems like they become a curse. And not a curse, you know, uh, given by a witch doctor or whatever. It's, it's that curse that your own parents told you when you were terrible and said, I hope your children grow up to be just like you. <laughs> And it kind of happened. And those of you working, those of you working with teenagers or parenting teenagers right now, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's tough. It's difficult. And then, and then, and then, you know, doesn't stop because as we keep growing, there's a new set of difficulties and and, 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 and things in life. And especially if you have a teenager. Listen, what I love about teenagers: if you have a problem ever, just ask a teenager. Because they know it all. <laughs> they do. And, 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 if they, and, if, and, if, and if they make a mistake, right? When they make a mistake, their answer for everything goes, oh, I don't know. I don't know. It's pretty cool to be a teenager. But, but you see, I'm saying all that because it's important that we understand this. Because sadly, sometimes in church we see this. And especially kids, especially teenage years, sometimes we see them as the enemy. And the reality is, no, 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 they're not. They're not. We're going to look at Solomon, how, the way that he, he saw them. And one of the first things when it comes to arrows in the hands of a skillful warrior, one of the first things that you need to understand is that arrows didn't grow up in trees back then. There was not a sports authority or any other sports goods uh, around that you can go and just buy your arrows. See, one of the one of the things that warriors and archers needed to do is they needed to learn the process of producing their own weapons. 
in that case, the arrows. That's what we're going to be looking at in the context of history. And then we're going to look in a parallel to what we can apply as we look at our generation, our emerging generation. First of all, if you're writing notes, I see some of you are writing notes, write these down. The first thing that we need to look in this generation is that we need to seek and find the potential in them. We need to seek and find the potential in them. I told you, you know, there was no sports authority, no, no, no arrow store that you could go and buy the arrows. You have to, you have to go in the wilderness. You have to go in, in the forest and look for branches. And that's how it is. They have to go and look at it. Well, this branch is looking cute out over here, but I can see this branch becoming an arrow powerful error, a mighty weapon. And that's the first thing that we need to make sure that we do as we think about this emerging generation. See, as parents, as aunties, uncles, leaders, mentors, see, as an older generation, we need to see the potential in our young people. Sometimes I understand they look weird from another planet. I remember 14 years ago when I moved from Colombia to, to the U.S., um, it was the, the fashion at that time was baggy pants. Baggy pants everywhere. Pants that were like this big. You can see all the underwear. You know what I'm talking about? Remember those days? Now today is skinny jeans. It's the completely opposite, right? It changes, and when you look at them, it, it, it looks weird, you know. Now with hooks over here, over there, and over there, and the pink strain of hair, and the blue strain, the eyeliner, and the guy liner, and the, all, all, the, the stuff that you look at them, is that it's, it's hard to see some kind of gold inside in there. But there is. There is. And, and, and the problem... Then many of us, we, we fall into is then sometimes we're like Samuel when looking for a king. We, we, we look at the outside. But, but as, as, the, as, as the Holy Spirit revealed to him, as, as God spoke to Samuel, said, listen, you look at the outside, but I look at the heart. And sometimes we're missing, we're missing this one. We're missing a huge blessing because we, we, we cannot see the goal, the potential that God has placed in this generation. Then if we see it and we find a way to release it, the blessing of the kingdom of God will be amazing. Sometimes we look at their, their, weird, their, their attitude, their, 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 their stuff, the stuff that needs outside and we miss the blessing. I love this, oh, uh, this, this verse, Proverbs eleven twenty seven. 27. Proverbs eleven twenty seven. He says this, He who seeks good finds goodwill. But evil comes to him who searches for it. In other words, if you're always looking, Ah, oh, these kids, you know, they're kids, they're always doing this, they're always doing that, you know, they're, they're teenagers, they're, they're, they're. you're always going to find evil in them. You're always going to find the bad in them. But for those that are always seeking the good, they will find it. Because I guarantee you, God created us, each one of us, without exception, in this new generation, with gold, amazing gifts, amazing potential inside of them. And if we seek that potential, we will find it. We should never judge a book by, by its cover, isn't it? Amen. Am I drinking this the right way? Recently, I was looking at 
uh, some documentary on TV, one of those true story, e-story, Hollywood things. And it was about this girl, and um, she was a church girl. In fact, her parents were pastors. And um, she, 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 she grew up in church, and, and, but she was like kind of bra- a brad. Um, uh, she, she gave a hard time to all the youth leaders at church, to her parents at church. She was a little odd in many ways, and, and she, she loved so many things about, about the church. And one of the things that she loved was, was worship music. She loved it. She loved it. And she grew up, and she learned how to play the guitar with worship songs and uh, favorite bands, Delirious and the Hill songs, and she loved that stuff. And, and she, the only way that she had to connect with her church was through music. But because she was a little rough on the edges, she, she kind of, you know, challenged people. She had an attitude. She was a brat. Um, kind of people in her church and leaders in the church kind of pushed her away. I don't want to play. No, but you, you, you see, people in our worship, you know, need to be, you know, like very spiritual. And I say, I know those guys that, that play in the worship team. I go to school with them. They're the biggest hypocrites. In church, they just behave all good. They have their Bibles, but when they go to school, they're just like everybody else. And you're telling me that hypocrites have a chance, but me being real, I don't have a chance? I said, yeah. She was so, so frustrated with church. 16 years old, she's struggling with this. And, 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 and every time their leaders always speak the negatives. Oh, you need to change this. You need to do that. You know, never the positives. Until when, sometime when she was 16, somebody else started paying attention. Somebody else outside the church, actually in a recording studio, started noticing, you know, this, this girl has gold in her. It's amazing. She's talented. And it started bringing her in. Suddenly, it's easier for this girl to, to go to a place where she's appreciated, where she is embraced. When somebody else can look at her and not see all the exterior stuff, but really see the gold that God put in her. And at the end, of the, I was looking at the documentary, and I found out in the name of this girl, now is, she's known as Katy Perry. We missed it big time. We missed this one big time. Because if you know a little bit about pop culture, she she's top, top, top right now. And I can I cannot think about what if we would have seen that as a church, seen the potential, and she would be using those gifts on this side, not on the other side. We need to have a healthy perspective of the children, all ages, zero to eighteen. In young adults that we have in our churches, that we have around us. We need to see them with the eyes that then God sees them. We need to seek that potential in them because all of them has that. So how do you look at this generation? Look for the gold in their hearts. Yes, there's going to be hard. There's going to be a lot of work. But those warriors, when they went to look for arrows... Man, they will grab those branches that were twisted and, and they're going to work on them. They could see that arrow inside. Can we see that in them? My prayer is that we will. My prayer is that we can. 
that we can see that. So we need to verbalize their potential. We need to look at them in the eye and speak to them. Tell them that they're valuable to God. That nobody's perfect. That we can work all those things and they need help with. But they need to see that somebody really cares for them. Remember the story of Gideon in the scripture? The guy is a young guy. It's a young man, but he's hiding because he's afraid. He's afraid. And when God reaches out to him, I love how God addresses him. He tells you, valiant warrior. The potential. The gold inside of him. Well, he's, while he's hiding from battle, God is calling him a valiant warrior. That's what we should do with this generation. We should speak to them. There's a man of God. There's a woman of God. There's a, there's a future evangelist. There's a future pastors here. There's future business and bu- businessmen and businesswomen that are going to advance the kingdom of God. We need to look at them with those eyes and speak those words to them. Because that's what really Solomon here is, 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 is saying. Man, arrows don't look like arrows when they're on a, on a tree. They look like branches. You need to see the, the value that they have. You see, we need to look at them the way that God looks at them. And we need to be sincere about it. Because I see some people trying to make an effort to speak good on them. But it the, they end up patronizing them. You know what? These kids, more than any other generation, it's probably the smartest younger generation ever existed on, on, on the face of this planet. They're not dumb. They will know when you're sincere or not. That's why those words need to, you need to start inside of you. You need to see them. You need to see that gold that is inside of them and speak that word. I know many young people that will say, Okay, you want me, to, you want me to, 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 to care about your God when you don't even care about me? Is that what you're saying? And sometimes they will say it to you. Sometimes, and most of the times, they will not say that. So do we see them the way that God sees them? See the potential in them. Find that potential in them. They all have it. The second thing about the process of building arrows is that they find, they can see in that branch, the warriors can see in that branch, this, is, this can be a powerful arrow, but they don't take the branch and put it in their quiver and come shooting branches. That's not how it works. The first step is to work on that branch, isn't it? So if you're writing this down, point number two, we need to shape their character with diligence. We need to do that. We need to shape their character with diligence. See, warriors have to shape the branches to make a strong and effective arrow shafts, right? They cannot use branches as, as arrows. Even if the branch has all the potential of the world to be a great, great arrow, there has to be some work on it. Hands need to get dirty. Time needs to be invested. Things need to be addressed. Proverbs 23, verse 13 says, Don't fail to correct your children. They won't die if you discipline them. That's what scripture says. Actually, another version says, I love, I like it better because it says, they won't die if you spank them. <laughs> I like that one. But there's, there's this fear that, that if, we, if, we, if we correct them, then, then they will be just uh, run away. 
It's like a, the way that I, I look at it is like a pendulum. When it comes to shaping young people, it's like a pendulum. We can either go into extreme and avoid the balance. We can go to the extreme where we're like, oh, no, don't tell anything. Or they're going to run away. Or the other extreme where just just like legalistic. You're gonna, you cannot dress this way. You cannot talk this way. You cannot. And everything is focused on the negatives. And we need to learn that balance. We need to learn that balance. As we assume the responsibility to raise a new generation, we cannot avoid the fact that we need to confront and correct with Diligence. We cannot see an offense that, clearly, that clear, clearly reveals a lack of character in a young person and walk away without bringing loving correction. Loving correction. We cannot do that. We cannot be on the extremes of this pendulum of correction. Because a lot of people that I know then kind of are on the strict side. Very strong. Or, uh, 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 um, I, I, I see it that they behave that way or they take that route because they it's, it's a consequence of what they experience in their own upbringing so let's say that if you were in your upbringing it was very tough and it was very severe and you just kind of like when I grow up I will never be like that it's easy for, to go, for you to go to the opposite side of the spectrum that happened to me I grew up in a house where it was very, very, very strict. I mean, uh, in my culture, when you're in college, you live with your parents. You don't really go to dorms. That's what it is in our culture. Uh, and uh, first of all, it's way too expensive. And, 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 and uh, so I lived, uh, seven years that I did in college, I lived with my parents. Unless it was one year that I was in, in, in the military academy, but uh, and I had to be in the dorms, but the rest of my college career I live with my parents I lived with my parents until I was 24 when I moved to the US and when I was 24 it was so strict the rules my curfew was 11 p.m. 24 I know social life and that's just little things it was really difficult and, and, and my tendency was to be now on the opposite side. And I had to learn. Now with my own kids, I had to realize I cannot go to the other side. The other up and the other, the, the other case is also is what, what we see all, all over the place. Sometimes um, the, your upbringing was so lenient and you could do whatever you, you, you wanted. And you know it brought trouble in your life. And now you want to be so controlling and so strict. We need to avoid those extremes. We need to avoid those extremes. Many times adults experiencing their upbringing, the abuse of discipline, want to go to the opposite extreme. See, out of a wounded heart that hasn't been healed completely, some adults want to be friends rather than leaders. And that's a huge mistake. See, one of the things that I, I, when I started in youth ministry, I knew that then you need to connect with people. You need to connect with young people. And, and um, I tried to do that as best as I could. And I remember interacting with this kid, and I was trying to connect with him. He was so sincere and honest with me. He says, you know what? I think you're kind of phony when you do that. I was like, what do you mean? Yeah, you're trying to be my friend. You know what? I can have many friends. I really, what I need is a mentor. 
So, hello, you're right. And I, and I remember with my, my, my peers were trying to find out ways to minister to young people. And I see they're trying so hard to be their friend. And sometimes in the effort to be their friend, we forget that we're their mentors. And when we see lacking character, we don't address it. Because we're afraid and our friendship will be damaged. We want to be the good cop all the time. Let the parents be the bad cops. And, and what we do is we take that branch, then have the amazing potential to be an amazing arrow in the hands of a warrior, and we truly mess it up. We don't work on it the way that we should. That's not the right way to look at this generation. That's not the right way to think about this generation. We need to find a way, in a loving way, to bring correction to young people. They want models to follow. We need to find that balance by learning. You know, let me tell you who we learn from this. We learn that from our Heavenly Father. We learn that from Him. The Scripture says that Jesus came full of mercy and full of truth. Mercy and truth. The opposite of this of the spectrum, altogether in perfect balance. And in you and your dealings with in your relationship with God, you experience that. You experience the love and the mercy of a loving father, but you also experience the passion that he has for you. Then if you're in the wrong direction, he will love you. He will do whatever he needs to be done to bring you back to the right path, isn't it? We need to learn from our Heavenly Father. We need to, as parents, some of you are, we need to do that. Youth leaders, youth pastors, children's ministry, young adult leaders. Sometimes the things that we overlook when they're kids and the things that we overlook when we're teenagers, we only have one chance as they're young adults and they come to our care. That's when we need to work with them. Because there's so many things that they're not even aware of their behavior. Then if nobody addresses them, they're going to... They're not going to become those arrows that Solomon is talking about. Somebody needs to do that. And I believe that's your call. That's my call in this generation. We need to follow the example of our Heavenly Father. Proverbs 29, 15 says this. To discipline and reprimand a child produces wisdom. But a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Certainly I talk about... Katy Perry, suddenly we missed that one. I'm praying that she will back. But certainly also somebody in her life should have speak the truth in love. Because the truth spoken in love does amazing things. And, 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 and there's, just think about all the people that we have a chance to speak the truth in love. And for some reason, for our own wound, wounds, we didn't do it properly, uh, or, or, or we neglected, or we didn't want to bother anybody, or we didn't want to make things worse, and we just walk away from that loving correction. Discipline over character, not over performance, because that's what we do, normally do. We like, especially in church, let's say we have a young person, and we, we see the potential, and we, why don't you play guitar? And then we correct them over performance all the time. 
We correct them. You know, you can do this song better. You can do this. You pray this way. Open your eyes. Do this. You can teach them and correct them all the time about performance. We do that all the time. Sometimes we don't correct them enough when it comes to character. We see it. We let it go. You know what that, 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 that communicates to them? Then we're using them. Then we're using them for our ministry. Then we just want people to behave in certain ways so we can look good. But you, as, and I'm sure you know this, the purpose that, that we're serving is so they can look like Him. And, and that chiseled word that the Holy Spirit does, we're responsible for it. Let's not neglect that. Work with parents about how to bring loving correction to young people. Do that. Help young adults to be self-aware of their shortcomings. It's important that we do that. It's crucial that we do that. Praise them in public. Correct them in private. I remember growing up in the church I grew up as a teenager. The senior pastor had the, the, the habit of correcting us in front of everybody. He was a young man, stop talking when I'm preaching. I mean, yeah, the church was disciplined. But many of these people didn't feel the love of a father. Respect can be easily lost when you have that kind of environment and culture. So let's make sure that we learn from our Heavenly Father how to bring loving correction. But we need to address it. We need to. One of the best things that you can do, those of you in youth ministry, he did it for me in my youth ministry, was to have rules. It's amazing the number of teenagers going to church. They didn't even know the rules of, 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 of the house. I'm sure you have rules in your house. Don't come with your, your, your shoes on or whatever rules are. You should have rules in your house as well. I remember when, when I became a youth pastor, I had no experience whatsoever. I was in California, and, and, and all I knew because of my military background, I knew the importance of rules. And we put certain rules in, in, in our youth group. We said, uh, no fighting, uh, no, no disobeying the, le- the directions of the leaders. It was very simple. It was, it was very simple. It was like four or five rules. And we always repeat them, and kids were enjoying it. They were having fun with them. But once in a while, there was one kid that would break the rules. It was this kid, 14 years old. His name is Micah. Man, he, he loved he loved to break the rules all the time. And Micah would just go nuts all the time. And he was a good kid. He was a good kid. Sometimes he would break. I would, sometimes I would tell my wife, man, if God can change this kid, God can change anything. I mean, it is, it, it, it is crazy. One day, Micah and his buddy... They brought a lighter and they're playing, you know, and there's outside of the, the youth room, they're playing, they're skating. At that time, it was like skating was huge, you know. They're skating and playing. And there was this electrical transformer outside the parking lot. And they're right by the transformer of this. They're starting a fire. They just thought it was the coolest thing. And, and I was like, what are you doing? And I just, I was so mad. At that time, I didn't really know how to lovingly correct and I was like, you know what? You're kicked out of youth group. I said, what? Yeah, you cannot come back in two weeks. He's like, okay. So his dad, who was a worship leader in the church, 
he calls me that night. He said, how come you kick out my son of the church? He said, well, he broke the rules. He said, no, you cannot do that. You need to bring kids in. You need to. But you know what? I remember talking to that kid later on. He said, you know what? I mean, it was kind of strong, but I understand. I can see it. I, I understand why. And honestly, after that, that kid was awesome. He became so well. He did so good. He went, did great things in life. He ended up coming to Hawaii. Today he's a great youth pastor. His name is Micah Simpson. He's right there. Wait. Now God gave him like 10 of those kids in his youth group. Right? But Micah is a huge, huge, huge blessing. He's the youth pastor at New Hope um, Christian Fellowship in, at Farrington High School. And, and he, he took my job and he's doing much better than I do. So it's a blessing. See, warriors had to shape the branches to make strong and effective arrow shafts. If was it you then one time, I, was, I think it was you. I was, you wanted to learn how to play bass. And the first lesson you came late. It was it you? I told him, okay, this is the first lesson that you learn. You're never late. Lesson is over. Go home. <laughs> and you never were late after that. Ever. Awesome. <laughs> so we need to pray and ask God to give us a unique anointing. You know what? One of the things that I can pray for you that we should pray. God, give us a unique. Because it's a gift. It's a skill. God, give us a unique gift to bring correction in a loving way. Some people can do it so well. They're not like, oh, it's okay, honey. No, that's kind of weird. Some people just can speak with so much love. Said, brother, because I love you, sister, because I love you. You need to know this. And they have a way to really grab that heart and shape it. Because it's important. There's an arrow inside that we need to shape it. We need to learn how. Because if we do it too hard, we can break it. And if we don't do it the right way, that arrow is not going to be effective. We need to shape them. Third thing that we need to look in this process of, of, of making arrows, it's we need to sharpen and equip their skills. See, once the arrow was shaped, and now it looks like, like, a, like a stick now, warriors gave the arrow a sharp head and fletching, right, in the, in the, uh, in the, in the tail of the arrow. And the arrowhead makes the arrow mighty and powerful. It gives it that weight, that accuracy. And fletching creates wind drag that can also cause the arrow to spin in a similar way than a bullet of a, of a rifle spins. It increases the accuracy. And this part in the, pro, in the process of making arrows was very important because no matter how good the shaft was shaped... Listen, the arrow is designed to be released in the air. It cannot depend on the warrior's grip. It's not like, like, like a spear. It, need to be, it needs to be equipped. It needs to be properly equipped. And many of us, maybe we can see the potential in young, young people. Maybe we have that giftedness to bring correction and shape them. But sometimes we lack the skills and we lack the anointing to equip them so they can go on their own and do the things that they need to do. 
see, one of the craziest things, and one of those statistics that kind of scare me to death is one of those that, that are there, and it's true. One third, one third of kids that grow up in church, one third of them will follow Christ after they go to college. Only one third of them. That means then two thirds of them will just be derailed. Completely derailed. And it will, they will go through so much pain. Some of them, they're the prodigals that never return home. Some of them, by the grace of God, return. But many of them don't. That's why this step is so, so, so important. Because sometimes we, in our effort to, co- to confront and to correct, sometimes we regulate our, the kids and the new generation's behavior, you know, in, in such a strong way. We bring discipline, um, uh, but we don't, train, we don't train our kids to make decisions on their own. We take them to church, but we don't teach them to go to church. We have devotions with them, but we don't teach them how to feed themselves. And, and that's a, a, an area that we need to pay a lot of attention. Sometimes we produce overprotected environments when they lose valuable opportunities to learn. Not only information, but practical ways to apply that information in real life situations. That's one of the things. And Now, my relationship with my parents today is... Amazing. It's it's, the best it has ever been. But it wasn't like that years ago. And one of the reasons why is because in the heart of protecting me from all the things of this world, my parents were godly men, godly men and women, godly parents, and they both are. They overprotected me to the core, big time. So when I was on my own, I had a hard time making decisions on my own. It was very, very difficult. There was potential in me. There was a lot of sharpening, but there was not a lot of equipping. And I struggled. I struggled big time. When I went to military school and I saw pretty much everything, and and, and there there was no mommy and daddy to protect me anymore. And I realized I'm not ready. I'm not ready to take over my life. And I felt like I was probably yeah, 18 years old, but I felt like I was a nine-year-old. I cannot make decisions of my own. I need to learn. And God provided people, mentors, pastors around me that helped me to, to, to learn those things. See, an average four-year-old asked 433 questions a day. I don't know who did that. He was timing it. I don't know, but that's what they came out with. An average four-year-old asks 433 questions a day. By the time they reach 15 years of age, they have asked 500,000 questions. And it's usually the same two questions. What am I going to eat? And can I have some money? Those are the two questions they're always having. And almost every time they get the same answer. Almost every time they get the same answer. Shut up and because I say so. Those are the things and they get... They're told, mostly, all the time. You see, almost, they get the, uh, all these answers. Now, we're good telling young people what's wrong, but we must be much better in telling them why it's wrong. And it takes time. It takes time. We teach them the ways of God, but we don't train them to do the ways of God. 
And that's one of the things when I look at my own life. I'm not saying here, standing in front of you, telling you, oh, I'm a master of this. I, here in this one, I'm guilty of this. As a pastor, as a parent, I find myself teaching them God's ways, but not how to walk in God's ways. I'm not equipping them. And, 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 and if you find yourself in your ministry, in your classroom, with your youth group, with your small group of young adults, as a senior pastor, you realize, we need to change this. If there's a major change, and I hope that after this conference, there's one change to, to, be, to, to improve in our ministry would be, we need to make sure that we're equipping our young people well. Because it's all this effort that you guys are putting into week after week, one third of them, are going to get it right. And I think we can, be, we can do better, don't you think? And if this is the problem, this is what we need to pay a lot of attention. A lot of attention. Proverbs 22, 6. Teach your children to choose the right path. It's right there. Teach your children to choose the right path. And when they are older, they will remain in it. They will stay in it. Teach their children the way that they should go. And then when they grow old, they will stay on it. But you see, we just teach them, this is the way to go. But we don't teach them how to walk in it. We need to learn how to do that. We should train our children so they, when they go away from home, they will follow God by themselves. Their faith needs to be their own faith. They cannot be the faith of mom and dad. They cannot be the faith of the youth pastor that took me out once a week to have Jumbo Juice. It, it has to be bigger than that. We need to teach them how to feed themselves. How to have a relationship with God in their own you see, as an older generation, we should show the principles of God and the person of God. Sometimes we show the principles, but not who God is. You know, when I, when I was learning how to be a parent, I, probably my son was uh, six years old. This is like three years ago. We were talking about in our family devotions about mercy. And, and um, it was hard for a six-year-old to understand the concept of mercy. It just happened and during that week, something happened. And my son did something wrong. I forgot what it was, but he needed to be punished. And um, one of the things that we have at home is we have a wooden spoon. And that's what it was at that time. Now it's different. Now it's a wooden paddle like this big, but a wooden spoon. I'm just kidding. But um, so he knows. So I tell him, Daniel, go grab your wooden spoon. He knows. And at that moment, I think the Holy Spirit gave me this idea. I said, you know, I need to show him who God is. So when he's about to, he knows, what, what, am, I, what am I disciplining you? Because we don't use the word punish, punishment in our house. We use discipline. There's a big difference. Punishment is based on past behavior. Discipline is based on future behavior. I discipline because I want my kids to be good to do better next. I don't punish them. So I tell him, well, Daniel, why am I disciplining you? Because I did this and did that. Okay, what do you need? What do you deserve? Need a, we call it a pow-pow. I need a pow-pow. He's crying. Yes, you, you deserve it, yes. But today, I want to do something different. And usually, 
we do it in the hands. You get a spin. That's enough for them at that age. He said, look at my hand. Okay. He put, put he, my son's hand is here. I put my hand on top of it. You deserve this punishment. And I walk my hand as hard as I could. That's it. See, Daniel, that's mercy. That day, five minutes later, he came to my room and said, Daddy, I'm sorry I did this. He said, Daddy, I now understand what Jesus did for me. I understand it. I want to receive Jesus in my heart. Six years old. He got it. We need to be, we need, we, sometimes we, we try to spend so much energy. How am I going to, how am I going to preach this weekend? How, the lesson for the kids it has to be super cool. And, and sometimes we, we probably teach the principle well, but we don't show him who God is. And our kids, when they go on their own, they know so much about the Bible. They know all the stories. Great. Do they know him? Do they know his mercy? Do they know His love? Do they know His compassion? We can do better than this. One third of our kids? That's it? I don't know about you, but I don't want to settle for that. I want to make sure that they learn God's ways. Scripture says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who finds great delight in his commands. His children will be mighty in the land. The arrows that Solomon was talking about. The generation of the upright will be blessed. That's Psalm 112, verses 1 and 2. Training children in the way they should go takes patience. Oh my goodness. It's easy to tell them the way. It's hard to show them and walk with them the way. It's easy to tell them what not to do. It's harder to show them how to do the right thing. And we need to be willing to pay that price. We should follow God's pattern on that as well. Besides an arrowhead and fletching, and fletching warriors give the arrow a place of belonging by placing them in the, in the knocking point of the bow. If you, 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 you have some kind of experience with archer, you will know that it has to be in the right place. That arrow has to be placed. Once everything is done, it has to be put in the right place. You see, as church leaders, we need to give young people a place of belonging and acceptance then. And, and one of the things that I see greatly in, in our district is to see so many young people serving. It's awesome. When I go to a church and I don't see a lot of young people, I'm worried. Why? Because Christianity is only one generation away from extinction. So when I see, when I come like here, the New Hope Hilo, and I see Sheldon and his energy now, for almost two years now, you've been senior pastor here, and the church growing, and Pastor Alex as a champion supporting um, a Sheldon in this ministry, and I see young people, teenagers, children, young adults, serving, running a camera, teaching, involved, there is hope for it. But we need to make, make sure that we're not using these kids to do jobs that we don't want other people to do. We need to place them in the right place. We need to place them in the right place. See, do you know how this generation, you need to know this. You know how this generation spells love? T-I-M-E. And the other one is... M-O-N-E-Y. 
But one of the best things that I've done as a senior, and I, and I remember trying to implement it when I was a youth pastor, one of the best things that I can tell my, my youth leaders is, listen, every month you have this amount of money, you're spending in them. Not in you, in them. Show them that you care for them. Spend time with them. Those guys, I tell them, I don't want to, what are you doing in the office? What are you doing? Oh, I'm doing this. Okay, you need to be with the kids. Where are they? One of the best, the best things that we did in California in the ministry was when, when this, this Hawaiian kid came to California to Bible College and he was kind of a rascal. His name was Aaron Cordero. And he was just like, like going crazy in the dorms and in Bible College. And I grabbed him and said, dude, we, we need to put you in the right place. And, and, and his only job, that was, it, no kidding, Mike, I can testify about this. His only job was to skate, surf, have fun with those kids, but not as a friend and as a mentor. And I believe what Micah is today is because not much as what I did is about what Aaron did in his life. Spelling love, caring for him. See, the majority of American parents have their own priorities. It should be God, wife, and children. And, and this is a crisis in our culture. It's usually job, money, this, then... If we have time, the wife, and if we have time, the kids. Divorce is spoiling kids in a, in a, wrong, in a bad, bad, bad way. Because there's guilt money now. Okay, because I did this to you, I'm going to buy this to you, and I'm going to... So you... And, and what we're, it, is, it is not what God wants. That, those, those kinds of things are not going to help. Let me just close with the fourth and last thing that warriors were, were very good at this. Because once they, they, they see the potential in that branch, once they, they sharpen it and, and, and they work on that shaft, and once they equip it with, with that arrowhead and the fletching, now is the time to let go. And fourth, if you're writing in your notes, release them into success and significance. That's what it sometimes is hard. To release them. To let them go. And this is the thing. When you look at an arrow, sometimes an arrow has to go backwards, right? To gain momentum. If you only put it backwards a little bit, it's not going to get too much momentum, isn't it? It's as, when you pull them back, 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 all the way back, and you that let that go, that arrow is dangerous. It's going to do some damage. See, one way to encourage our young people, because they come to you, I guarantee you, often. Children teenagers, even young adults, they feel like, how come I feel like I'm going backwards in my life? When I decide to follow God's way, when I decided to do things God's way, I feel like all my other friends, they're just cruising. They're having so much fun. I feel like I'm getting behind. And usually what I tell them, listen, when an arrow has to go backwards, it's going to gain some momentum. I can guarantee you, all the people, I, yeah, I, my parents, I told you, they were so strict. I felt like I was going backwards, 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 backwards. My youth ministry was, was, was awesome. They were teaching us God's word and how to follow God's ways. And if I was take, to take the challenge and live according to what I was learning, I felt like all my brothers, they were all having, all my friends, they were all having fun and going out and drinking and partying. And I'm just like going backwards. In college was the same thing. Man, I was serious about following Christ, but I struggled about it. 
because I, I wanted to, to, to remain pure until marriage. I wanted to, 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 to honor God in every area of my life. And I was going like this. And all my friends were like, woo! 14 years later, divorce, bankruptcy, jail, destruction. You know what? Going backwards is kind of cool. And we need to teach our young people to see that vision. We need to, you need, we need to draw that picture so clearly for them because they, they get discouraged. Some of you even are discouraged. And um, I want to spend the, the, how much time I have? Five minutes. Five minutes. I want to, I want to, I want to do this for these next five minutes. Amazing Solomon's wisdom, isn't it? It's, it's something that he saw three, four thousand years ago, and and today it's just like it makes sense today. It makes sense today. See the young, this generation. When you look at them, look at them. They're mighty arrows in the hand of a skillful warrior. And I love how he closed Solomon uh, verse five. He, I love how he, he he says it here. He says, "You see, happy is the man. Happy is the woman." whose quiver is full of them. My prayer is that as we go into ministry, then our quiver will be full of young people that are ready to be released. So this generation, our generation, fulfills its calling to pass the baton of Christianity to the next generation. It will not be extinct. Just imagine that. And I'm praying for all your ministries, children's ministries, youth ministries, young adult ministries, to be on that path. Then when you look at your church, you feel so encouraged by God to see your people full of these kinds of young people coming up. Because you learn from God's word to see them in the right way. Remember this. Look for the gold inside of them. All of them have it. All of them have it. It's behind somewhere. But it is there. Shape them. Don't be afraid. Do it in a loving way. Equip them. Teach them not just good stories. Teach them how to live and apply those stories in their lives. Teach them, the, teach them how to feed themselves in God's word. And release them. Let them go. See what God can do in their lives. So why don't we just bow our heads and pray. And we ask for that kind of blessing into our lives. Can you say amen? Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, we just come before you knowing that you're a merciful God. First of all, Lord, as I recognize in front of my brothers and sisters this morning, um, I haven't been a good, good, good warrior looking and looking at our young generation, our, our emerging generation. The proper way. I admit that. And I recognize that. And Father, with whoever feels the same way, senior pastors, children workers, anybody here, Father, we repent before you. We repent before you be, because of our judgment sometimes comes before our genuine care. And Lord, I pray that you will give us those eyes. You will give us those eyes. 
the, the eyes, the same eyes in which you look at this generation. Give us those eyes, Lord God. That we will look at our young people, our emerging leaders and, and, and children, Lord God, with those eyes of hope. Then we will overlook the things that can be so negative. But then we focus in zero, zero in, 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 in the good things, in the goal that you have placed in each one of them. Lord, many of us struggle keeping the right balance when it comes to correction. Some of us, Lord, we're way, way, way too lenient, way, way too laid back. Some of us, Lord, we, we're in the opposite spectrum. We, we're too strong. And, and Lord, even though we have the best intentions, we end up not doing your way when it comes to bringing correction, Lord. Help us, Lord. Help us. Show us. Reveal to us. Give us that anointing. It's a gift. We're asking. This, the scripture says in James, Lord, and we ask. We, we don't have because we don't ask. And if we ask for wisdom to you, you will give it to us in an abundant, in a generous way. Father, we ask you for that kind of wisdom. Then we will be able to speak the truth in love. In a way that produces a fruit of these young people submitting to you. Those things that need to be chiseled away, they will be easily chiseled away because of your anointing in our lives. Father, for those that need to be equipped, all of them need to be equipped. Give us, Lord God, that, that wisdom as well. To equip them well. To prepare them well for what is, is, is happening in their real life after they, they leave our care. Lord, I pray that you will help us. Help us to work with parents, Lord God, together as partners. Father, and also, Lord God, help us to trust you as, as we release them, as we release them. Give us that pain, that pain that you, you have in, in, in your heart when you see so many young people going the wrong way. Give us the same pain because the pain will motivate us. The pain will move us, Lord God. The heartache, Lord God, will cause us to do the right things according to your ways. So help us, Lord. Help us, Jesus. See, as you keep praying right now and with your hands down and heads down and your eyes closed, I, 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 really, I really sense the Holy Spirit touching so many of you. You already have a picture in your mind of that, that teenager, that child, that young adult. Then you, you, you thought, man, I, I, sometimes you, honestly, you thought, I wish these people, these, this person wouldn't be around me. Because it, it, it is demanding, it is difficult. But I believe right now the Holy Spirit is, is giving you a different set of eyes to look at this person. Receive that gift. Receive that gift. There's also many of you, and, and, and I think this is for, 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 for those that have uh, a, a trouble, trouble equipping people. I, I really see the Holy Spirit really giving you that, that, that new gift. It's a new present. Then God is giving you. It's, it's a new tool in, in your tool belt to, to, to be used in your ministry with young people. You will be an equipper. You will be an equipper. And some of you have been praying for that, and today is probably a confirmation. Yes, Lord. That's my focus in this season in my ministry. I, I, I have a good heart. I can see the potential. I, I'm doing my best to sharp, sharpen them. But, Lord, I need to improve in this area of equipping. Receive that gift from the Lordship. Receive that gift from the Lord. 
And Lord, we bless those gifts. We, we bless this time. We bless the rest of this, this, this conference. We pray for your spirit to be with us. We thank you, Father, for being so good to us. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. In Jesus' mighty name. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. Why don't you give a clap offering to the Lord?